Hello, you're listening to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. I'm Colin Wood, Managing Editor of State Scoop. This is our IT consolidation and optimization episode, and it's sponsored by Dell Technologies. Our guests on this episode are Tarek Tomes, CIO of Minnesota, and Stephanie Dedman, CIO of Tennessee. IT consolidation is a fairly wonky topic, even for StateScoop, but what I've attempted to do here is get two people who work in IT organizations with varying levels of consolidation completed and get them to talk about how those efforts have translated into more relatable goals, like overcoming the challenges associated with the pandemic or overcoming a cyber attack, as Minnesota did a few months ago. And I think we did pretty well. And after those interviews, stay tuned for an industry perspective with Dell Technologies. So with that, here's Tarek Tomes. All right, I'm here with uh, Tarek Tomes, CIO of Minnesota, and we are talking about IT consolidation. So to start off, Tarek, I was hoping you could give everyone a brief history of your work experience and what what your time at the state has been like so far. Thanks, Colin, and uh, appreciate you having me on this afternoon. My name is Tarek Tomes. I'm the commissioner of Minnesota IT Services, the chief information officer for the state of Minnesota. And I started in this role, I think approximately 15 months ago or so. I've uh, spent my entire career in the technology space. I started my career working in Germany uh, with systems integrations companies, providing services, consulting services, and and technology-oriented services for really Fortune 100 uh, organizations in Europe, and ended up moving to the United States at at some point and worked for controlled data systems. Uh, For those that uh, are well-versed in the history of computing controlled data systems, one of those uh, prior iconic companies, uh, kind of the IBM comparable of its time, I think at one point in time employed about 80,000 people here in the Twin Cities and certainly had a lot of notable uh, companies that that spun out of that, companies like Cray Computing and and Seagate. Um, From Control Data Systems, uh, Control Data Systems was eventually acquired by British Telecom and I worked in our global managed services organization with British Telecom uh, providing uh, global managed services uh, to organizations. And then got my uh, my feet wet in public sector and and, and really fell in love uh, with the work uh, of providing technology services that really benefit uh, and, and uh, impact people's lives. Uh, had a brief stay at uh, Minute in uh, uh, from 2008 to about 2014, and then moved on to the city of St. Paul, where I was the chief information officer and chief innovation officer prior to coming back to two minutes. Right. And all right, so let's let's kind of jump into the IT consolidation bit, because I want to hear a little bit about, uh, so you may have gotten a, a taste of what the state's uh, organization was like when you first joined. And then when you came back, I imagine it was at least somewhat different. But um, before we get into that, I just wanted to talk for a minute about why IT consolidation is important. Um, it's, I think it's obvious to people who follow NASIO and so forth, uh, and it's kind of, it can be viewed as kind of a wonky topic, but how is it that a 
organization's IT structure affects the other, the many other things that it does? Uh, Colin, that, that, that's a great question. And, and one of the things that I think is really important, at least from my perspective, when we when we talk about this, I think IT consolidation in itself, I think the term maybe does a little bit of a disservice to the intended uh, outcomes and consolidation kind of gives a feeling that you're just combining uh, many things into fewer things and, and genericizing what you're doing. And, and I don't really think that is necessarily the intention. Certainly there are opportunities for efficiencies uh, when you are able to function at scale. But I think the larger piece of this is really being able to, to work with a certain degree of intentionality and a certain degree of strategic focus. One of the things that I think is really, really important for the public sector, in particular state organizations, technology organizations at the state level that have a a more coordinated strategic focus or a so-called consolidated organization certainly aren't uh, anomalies uh, when compared to similarly complex organizations in the private sector. Large uh, private sector organizations like a 3M or a Cargill or, or organizations of that nature have very, very similar uh, constructs from an organizational perspective. And it's really all about being able to bring the most capability to the most important things uh, for an administration and, and for state government. And so I think the effectiveness of having a organizational model that allows for the benefits of scale while still having the agility to be responsive and, and the agility to innovate at what we refer to as the edges is really, really important to make sure that we continue to meet fast evolving needs that continually uh, change. Right. So what does Minnesota look like now and uh, what is the historical context for that? You know, I think I think Minnesota um, is is probably you know somewhat similar to, to other organizations uh, of of similar complexity. Uh, we have approximately twenty five hundred technologists that uh, work in the executive branch of, of state government, and they all work within one organization within Minute. And we're really a, a hybrid organization where we have technologists that really focus on the unique dedicated needs of agency line of business solutions and, and unique uh, agency needs. And, and we have a set of technologists that work on larger shared services opportunities. From a historical context, we started this journey uh, somewhere around 2011. The legislature passed an IT consolidation law that essentially combined uh the, the state technologist into to one function, uh, and then subsequently uh, that included the transfer also of, of financials and procurement and, and, and other really essential uh, functions of, of state government. And when I think back kind of from an historical context, prior to, to that uh, legislation, uh, probably somewhere around 2008 or 2009, or maybe even previous to that, as just a small example, the, the state had many, many different disparate email systems, as was you know pretty common back then, and and they really had a tough time communicating with one another. Uh, lots of infrastructure, lots of people to provide 
a, a, a service that is so essential as communication and, and collaboration. And, and that was really one of the first forays, combining the, the 30 disparate messaging systems within state government and all of the infrastructure and people into one service. And then Minnesota became the first state in the country and, and really one of the first organizations of its size to actually move all of the communication and collaboration services to the cloud. And I think it's an example of how a organization that has a strategic focus and strategic alignment can bring about not just uh, potential opportunities from an efficiency perspective, but certainly opportunities from a capability perspective if you fast forward and look at where the cloud-based communication collaboration world has gone since then. Right. Okay. Well, speaking of cloud, let's talk about everyone's favorite topic, 2020. So has the pandemic and all the things that go along with it shed any light on this general trend and this effort for uh, shared services and IT consolidation, or what have the uh, what have the takeaways been? You know, I think a couple of takeaways, and and you know, again, you know, not unique to state government. So, one, we are really working in a hyper productive world right now, where the pandemic has really changed how solutioning is done, and and certainly has changed some of the guardrails that have generally surrounded uh, technology solutioning. And, and we've seen innovation and solutions uh, be brought forth in a matter of weeks or, or months that would have previously taken much, much longer. I think for us, our uh, uh, position and, and, and our embracing cloud constructs as, as well as the ability uh, from an organizational perspective to, to really rally around common strategic goals really allowed us to, to move our workforce remotely, the, the 30,000, 35,000 state workers in a, in a really rapid manner and provide a really rich environment that allowed them to continue to communicate and collaborate really robustly. During this time, we continue to really uh, emphasize our, our cybersecurity efforts. We actually uh, accelerated our, our MFA, our multi-factor authentication uh, rollout push uh, right in the midst of the pandemic and, and really just a huge credit to all of our business partners that uh, doubled down with us, that, that really understood that, you know, while we're moving remotely and it's going to be one additional uh, element that that they were in uh, for that extra complexity. We, we now have 95% of the state workforce uh, that is all multi-factor authentication. And we've seen the benefits of that already as it relates to just uh, having a, a much more secure environment. And I think those are examples where prior to having a common strategic uh, organization and, and, and that common strategic alignment, you know, you would have had 20, 25 different teams working at those types of things and probably a lot uh, greater uneven structure. The other thing that's, that's really happened that has been uh, really illuminating is, is certainly technology services are, you know, really central to the response to the pandemic. Uh, everything from the need to provide uh, fast changing unemployment insurance uh, support to Minnesotans that are impacted by uh, losing jobs or, or being laid off or just what's happening in the economy to uh, people that are in need of food assistance or just a tremendous amount of work that's happening in the healthcare space related to uh, case investigation and contact tracing or exposure notification or just the role that technology plays. And, and, and so 
a continual need for quick innovation. And I think everyone's eyes have really, really been opened, uh, even those that sometimes maybe were a little bit apprehensive or skeptical as it relates to the how fast you can actually glean value from a technology uh, opportunity. I think that door is, is really, really wide open because there's never been a greater uh, spotlight on uh, technologists need to deliver and the capabilities and, and abilities that uh, people can expect. Right. All right. So I'd like to, to stay here a little bit longer if we can and maybe see if there aren't some specific examples or just concepts that we can pick out with regard to how your organization's growing sophistication or consolidation, whether we decide whether we like that word or not, the connection to that to various other tasks like advancing digital government, providing cloud services, just general uh, procurement and cloud, or uh, excuse me, procurement and project management, and then and then cybersecurity. One thing that you know, you you guys, you know, a lot of people get the uh, you you get all the, your bad news covered, but this was this story wasn't necessarily bad. In June, there was a denial denial of service attack uh, against the state, and you released in a statement that, uh, you know, you were able to repel that. Uh, is there, is it, is it right to ask, you know, to what extent did, did your organization's uh, kind of maturity help you repel that? Like if this same thing had happened 10 years ago, could it have gone differently and, and so forth? So how do you, how do you view uh, these various topics in the, in the frame of your, your IT consolidation efforts? No, Colin, that's a that's a great question. I mean, I certainly think our uh, organizational alignment and our organizational structure certainly put us in a, a much better position um, from a cybersecurity perspective. the The time frame that you're referring to was kind of in the immediate aftermath of the you know really heinous murder of of George Floyd and and the resulting civil unrest and. Uh, as we are all well aware, during you know any moments of of civil unrest or any you know tragic events that occur, certainly there is a a cyber protest that coincides, and, and that cyber protest you know generally manifests itself certainly uh, kind of with a global presence, if you will. Our, our structure allowed a couple of really really important things. And, and as an example, as our Department of Public Safety was you know right in the middle of, of of really being the central organization to to manage and coordinate uh the state's response and, and the state's assistance uh you know during that really really difficult time we were able to focus our technologists at the department of public safety on those critical line of business applications while a different team really focused on uh the the cyber protection and, and, and cyber defense uh, efforts. Certainly during any of those times and any of those moments, that's not the time to start thinking about how do I uh, protect ourselves? It's, it's a continual investment in those spaces that's necessary, but our ability to have uh, cloud-based denial of service support that really protected a large range of uh, resources really uh, came to bear because in those instances, it's a general disruption of government you know, that that's sought after and, and you really, you know, see those threats move from one resource to the next resource to the next uh, resource and, and having 
coordinated defenses and, and an ability to communicate more broadly, even with other forms of local government really gave us uh, an opportunity to, to write, really try to be in the best position uh, possible and to share as much information as we can with other forms of local government. So I do absolutely think that our organizational structure really, really uh, allowed us to put the broadest set of resources, you know, towards a variety of demands that, you know, really sprung up almost instantaneously. Hmm. Right. That's great. Um, okay. So whenever this pandemic is over, what do you think the uh, main upshots will be in terms of IT consolidation? You know, I, I, I think the, the, the main, you know, upshots really are that there is an ability to, to really innovate in a time of need in, uh, in, with different responsiveness levels, with different, within different time uh, constraints. When I think about our ability to implement chatbots on our external COVID page that answer thousands of questions daily and the, uh, the number of technologists that come together from across uh, agency silos to, to bring those things together in any type of a response to a pandemic like this is a cross agency uh, collaboration that really requires a lot of people to lean in. We have uh, technologists from a number of different agencies, from the Department of Health, from uh, our Depart Department of uh, Employment and Economic Development. I mean, just so many different people that, that lean in. And, and so I think that broad sharing and, and, and collaboration to really bring forth innovative solutions that rapidly can return value, I think will be a, a endearing takeaway. The, the continual responsiveness to shifting needs, uh, when I think about all the various federal law changes related to our unemployment insurance space and, and the, the fact that it was you know just such a multi-team effort that allowed for unprecedented call volume to our, our call centers and, and that being managed by one set of team and, and another team that's responsible for our unemployment insurance application and, and really being just incredibly responsive, which you know has a direct impact on uh, the 800,000 plus Minnesotans that were looking and are currently looking for unemployment insurance uh, benefits that are just so critical uh, for them. And so I think really the long takeaway is that uh, an ability to return value quickly is, is absolutely there that uh, a remote working construct can be conducive to uh, greater agility and certainly greater uh, productivity. And that an ability to collaborate across agency silos really brings about uh, results that uh, were probably previously unexpected. All right, that's it for part one of the podcast. Now here's Stephanie Dedman, CIO of Tennessee. I'm here with Stephanie Dedman, CIO of Tennessee. To start off, could you tell us some of the background as it pertains to IT consolidation in your state? Sure, I'd be happy to. So <clears throat> really, there are a number of reasons why um, we embarked upon consolidating the IT staff um, in, in the uh, most of the executive branch agencies. And, and I should probably take a step back and say, other than the staff, we were fairly consolidated in terms of um, two state data centers, uh, generally a single email system, um, single state network. We, we had a very consolidated infrastructure model um, that had really been um, under the leadership and 
guidance of, of my predecessor, Mark Bingle. Um, and we had embarked upon modernizing our IT job classifications and really um, about a year into um, having a, we did a competitive procurement to bring a partner in to do assessments of each of the executive branch agencies in terms of level of maturity, uh, types of staff, um, critical projects, what was the organizational structure, how did they manage IT work, um, and when we consolidated the information that came out of those assessments, the, the, the main thing it told us is that we needed m many more staff than we thought um, and in some cases didn't have the right kind of staff, the right kind of skills. And so we knew that we couldn't really ramp up to the extent that a, a, a decentralized model would require, meaning we did we couldn't have all agencies um, afford the same kind of staffing. And so the administration, the governor's office at the time said, you know, figure out wh what do you recommend? How do we do this potentially in a shared service fashion? And so we quickly formed a small work group and really came up with a model that um, and proposed consolidating the executive branch staff because some of the smaller agencies didn't need resources 24 by seven, but they needed them when they had a critical project going on. And so um, we, we created business domains and had high level shared resources um, for a group of agencies. So for example, we have five business domains and they're grouped into functional areas like health and social services, law, safety and correction, as you might imagine. And so uh, st uh, key positions like business solutions, architects, data scientists, um, security, uh, security resources, senior project directors. We provided those in a shared model across the agencies within each of those business domains. And so instead of repeating the model, 23 times in our 23 executive branch agencies, we had five domains. Um, and so we embarked upon consolidating those agency IT teams into our central group. We started that in um, 2015, uh, 20, 2014, 2015, and finished really in 2017. Um, and it, so it's been good. And, and, you know, some of the other objectives of that consolidation were, you know, more discipline, more project management skills, um, more standardized approaches to um, large, complex procurements and projects. Um, so that's really the history uh, of the background that, that um, encouraged us to consider uh, IT consolidation. Um, does that cover? Right. Well, yeah, just just staying there for a minute, you mentioned that uh, something interesting, which is that you didn't have enough people, which is, uh, you know, one of the concerns you sometimes hear from from staff is that, you know, they might lose their jobs if things get, quote unquote, consolidated. Uh, and as some people have pointed out, that term can be a bit misleading, but that is an, that is interesting that you found that. What were some of the skills gaps that that you found when you did that assessment? Uh, I think in, in some cases, the examples are um, IT strategy. We, we had s some of our IT leadership at the agency level, you know, were promoted into leadership positions because they've been around a long time and, or they've been good 
um, you know, COBOL developers, or, and they had good, very good technical skills, um, but, but maybe didn't have as much experience leading teams, developing strategies, um, co- uh, coordinating and collaborating with the business side of the house to make sure that, you know, we're implementing the right solutions and, and following a discipline, uh, you know, that begins with what, what does success look like? What are your requirements? And then what's the process to get there? So, um, in many cases, we just had a lack of um, leadership and leading teams um, and, and strong communication skills. Um, other deficits would be in data science, uh, security, um, some of those like business solutions architects. We, in a lot of cases, had very technical resources, but maybe had never been asked to facilitate a, a, a design session with the business side um, participating. So those were some of the skill gaps we found. Um, and I, I started with kind of what led us to understand we needed to consider consolidation. The, the overhaul of our IT job classifications actually resulted in everyone having to apply for a job, not necessarily the job they had because we changed all the job classifications. So where you used to have a, you know, a a systems analyst um, that, that might now need to be a business solutions architect. Um, And, but we did offer training um, to, you know, and encourage people to um, really kind of understand their career path and, and what was of interest of them. And then to take the training to enable them to be considered for the new job classifications that we have. Um, so in that exercise, we, we actually did have some folks who, who did not secure a position in the new organization. That was way more the exception than the rule, but it was part of the process to get the right, the right skills and the right seats on the bus. Um, and while difficult, um, it was, you know, I think we ended up with a much stronger IT organization. Right. All right. So bring us up to current times. How, how does this effort look today? And, and what are your focuses? Either, you, well, I guess there's, there's two ways to answer that. Either you could say either now or you know, end of 2019, because it's kind of two different worlds, but right, uh, whichever direction you want to take that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think consolidation has enabled us to um, implement uh, more standard tools. Um, we very much uh, still need, still working on um, really rationalizing our uh, portfolio of, of applications. In some cases, we do still have some duplication and so that's a that's a real remains a, a big opportunity for us, um, and so trying to understand um, and and proje- not project but really plan out modernization that encompasses multiple agencies. Um, so we have you know some of our initiatives um, we we have been cloud smart and not cloud first. So we're um, just now have begun to develop our cl- cloud roadmap and working with some um, we'll we'll very much end up in a hybrid cloud environment. Um, other activities that are uh, strategic items that we're working on are enterprise data analytics. Um, and I think w- is much more possible in a consolidated model than it would have been previously. Um, the thing I think that we still have to do is work with our business partners. I mean, just because all the IT staff are part of my team doesn't mean I get to totally drive um, you know, the IT strategy. It's very much based on what our agencies need and, and the business problems they're trying to solve. 
Um, so that, that still remains the same, but I believe we have better resources, better skills uh, to enable those, those discussions and that strategic planning with our business partners than we did, you know, five to 10 years ago. Um, so, you know, so fast forward to, to the pandemic, we, we, you know, some of our strategic initiatives um, did get set aside temporarily as we um, worked with our administration to get uh, significantly more employees able to work from home. Um, we, we actually, as a state, had a formal work from home process prior to the pandemic, and about 32% of our workforce was already working from home in some fashion. Um, but that wasn't enough under under the pandemic and under the uh, emergency order that that our governor put in place. And so we we worked very quickly to uh, procure and get laptops in the hands of those who needed to be working from home full time, as well as all of the other technical tools uh, to enable that. Um, and so, you know, I would say really in in July is when we began to probably June July able to, to kind of refocus back on some of the initiatives. And, and that's about the time when we realized our budget was going to be impacted. Um, and so it's, you know, it is, it's been a, a six months of way more reactionary than most of us would prefer to be. Um, but that's sometimes that's the reality that, that you deal with and, and you try to have, try to make the best of it. Um, so we are now working on, um, you know, our fiscal year 22 budget and what, what can we do um, what must we continue? What can we, um, where do we need to continue modernization or where do we need to put some projects on hold just given the current budget situation? Well, do you have a good idea yet of, of what those concessions are going to have to be in light of the budget situation? Well, in some cases, yes. For, so for our current year budget, we, we actually had to submit reductions. Um, and so for us, um, I mean, we had some vacant positions that they're always uh, somewhat low hanging fruit, somewhat not, because, you know, in case, in some cases you're holding those positions, knowing that projects are coming down the pike. Um, and so some of our reductions are to, you know, push some maintenance off, um, you know, not do some projects, um, but, the, but we're, we're trying to hold fast to cloud and enterprise data analytics. Um, and and are hoping that um, you know in in next year's budget there there will be some relief. Um, the, there's some indication that our revenues in the state of Tennessee are are better, are recovering, and are better than we feared. Um, so we're optimistic. Um, you, you know we've talked before about digital government too, and I've talked about our uh, MyTN, our single um, consolidated app, mobile app. Um, and we're continuing to, to focus on that and add more services to that mobile app. Um, and, and I believe, um, and, and we actually um, do have some initiatives where we have approval to use some CARES funding um, to really, as a result of the pandemic, focus on more um, virtual services, um, like virtual inspections, virtual visits, um, as well as um, things like citizen scheduling. So giving creating kind of reusable um, functionality that can be um, integrated with multiple business applications to in, in, enable our citizens to do some of their own scheduling. Um, I also believe that, you know, process automation and robotic process automation are, are very much in our future and we'll be working with our agencies to determine where can we automate some of those processes and eliminate the need for citizens to come into offices. Um, so those kinds of things are 
you know, definitely on the horizon. Um, and, you know, we'll be working with our vendor partners to try to understand the, the best way to do that in, in, in short order to, to, to provide some relief um, to our folks that are having to go into offices to serve our citizens. Right. Uh, returning for a moment back to uh, the pandemic and its lessons, would you say that there's anything that the whole work from home dynamic has just still keeping a lens here on IT consolidation and the uh, organizational structure of uh, the technology organization in Tennessee. Is there anything that the pandemic taught you about the way you were doing things and how you maybe ought to change or things that you were doing right? You know, I'll answer that several ways. I think for our state, um, some of our holdout agencies who didn't really believe they could embrace work from home for whatever reason um, have seen that it does, it can work and that our workforce is, is being productive. Now that, you know, from an IT perspective, we, we've had people working from home for, for quite some time, you know, because their jobs um, lend itself toward being able to do that. Um, so I guess the first way I'd answer it is that it's, we have many agencies who have realized um, this can work. And as long as you get the technology, the, the equipment in employees' hands and you train them on the technologies to be able to collaborate and stay in touch and all those good things, um, it can work. And we overwhelmingly hear from our workforce specific, I can, at this point, I'm now switching to only talk about my IT teams. Um, they are very happy working from home full time. Many of them hope that we will never have to go back in the office um, and are reporting that they have increased work-life balance, but they're actually working more hours. And um, you've probably heard this from others. I mean, because of the commute um, or the lack thereof, you know, people are, they're starting their day earlier. They, you know, they're working a little bit longer, but yet they still have more time with, with their family and, and friends, if, if that's the case. Um, and so I think it's taught us um, that, you know, now we need to somewhat shift and, and make sure we're thinking about how we sustain this long term. Um, and I guess an example is, um, you know, what do, do we, are we using the right collaboration tools? Um, are, there are additional needs, things like whiteboarding. Did, I don't know if digital whiteboarding is the right way to call it, but I am a visual person, and so I mostly miss getting my leadership team in a room and whiteboarding out a problem. There are ways to do that virtually and online, but that's not some that's not a tool that we've yet um, evaluated uh, specifically from a whiteboarding. Um, so, I, I guess the other less uh, thing lesson learned or thing it, that uh, that we've learned is that you have to be more creative with your communication in staying in touch with people. Um, because it's different um, and, you know, encouraging the use of the video camera and um, reaching out to people uh, one-on-one to check in on them. You know, that's, that's not something we had to do because we could walk down the hall and check on them um, or, you know, walk into their office or cube. Um, but so some things take more effort to make sure we're staying in touch with our employees and that we check in on them. Um, this work from home, you know, largely is beneficial, but there are some folks that it does not work for. And then there's, then there's part of our workforce that still has to go into the office that we need to 
give special care and, and appreciation to uh, because of the nature of their job. Right. All right. Uh, one last thing I wanted to touch on was that IT consolidation to maybe to an outsider can sound like a kind of abstruse topic, but it touches essentially everything because it's your baseline capability for for how your organization functions. So I know that uh, you mentioned the MyTN app and digital government efforts are very important in your state. How does the level of IT consolidation maturity in your state affect your ability to deliver services, for example? I, I think it, it does um, m- make it easier to involve multiple teams in the, the vision of uh, digital government and you know, more online services. Um, we, we can, you know, I can reach out and touch um, and pull all the right people into a conversation regarding um, initiatives uh, because they're part of my team. Um, and so I think in a, in a consolidated organization, it can, it can save significant time in um, just helping people be part of the vision and part of the discussion and then including them in here's the direction, here's what, here's how we're going to implement it. Um, the thing that IT consolidation also helps with, but does not replace is the, the interaction and collaboration with the business uh, side with our customers, essentially. Um, you know, we, we still should not and, and cannot implement IT solutions without uh, our business partners and without the, without it starting with a business need or a business problem that we're trying to solve. Um, and so that means, you know, relationships are still as important and, and strategy sessions with our, with our customers are just as important. Um, making sure we do that in a consistent fashion and that we have the same, you know, have, we have processes and procedures around how to do that you know, significantly easier in a consolidated organization, but it just doesn't, my point is it doesn't replace um, the need for good old fashioned customer service and communication. Um, I've said before, you know, from an innovation standpoint, it, 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 we shouldn't innovate. We shouldn't implement solutions just because they're exciting and new. We should implement solutions because they solve a business problem. And that means everything starts with the customer. Um, and so there are definite benefits to consolidation as long as you don't lose sight of your customer. Right. Great. Thanks, Stephanie. You're welcome. Okay. That concludes the CIO portion of the podcast. Next, State Scoop's associate publisher, Jake Williams, interviews Dell Technologies' Eric Skamra. So I'm joined by Eric Skamra, the Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer for Dell EMC State and Local Government. Eric, thanks for being here. How are you doing? Jake, I'm excited to be with you today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So, so Eric, we're talking about consolidation and optimization, and, and Colin just wrapped up some conversations with uh, two state CIOs about this topic. But I guess from your perspective, kind of looking out over the entire public sector, how should states be approaching consolidation and optimization? Well, Jake, this is a, a topic that is near and dear to my heart, so I've got a whole lot to say about this. The first thing that for consolidation to be successful is really for elected officials to understand that consolidation impacts everything about how the state government functions. Consolidation has the potential to really drastically impact the citizen services that they have been elected to deliver. 
and can impact the services in a positive or really a negative way. With that in mind, consolidation is not to be undertaken lightly. States should approach IT consolidation as a really a long-term endeavor that realistically has the potential to span two, if not three, election cycles. Consolidation should not be undertaken without the full support of the state's legislative body and with required legislation, meaning they need to enact legislation and budgets allocations, you know, really to ensure that it's, it's successful. Optimization is an integral part of consolidation. And you have to start thinking about optimization when you start the consolidation process. If you do that thinking up front, then your goals can be understood at the very beginning of the consolidation process. And then appropriate foundational steps can be taken to enable the optimization to commence during and after the consolidation happens. The reason that optimization is a never-ending focus for state IT is because technology really continues to change and citizen service delivery expectations continue to change with it. You know, right now in our recent um, social distancing requirements that we have, our customers and our customers' customers are hyper-accelerating their government digital transformations, meaning that our citizens are expecting that their government services will be delivered just like they're used to their internet services being always on and always available. So really optimization as part of an integral part of consolidation is needed at the very beginning. And optimization of citizen services delivery is a never ending quest that should begin and continue after consolidation happens. When we're talking about states approaching this idea, what are some of the inhibitors to them pursuing this consolidation and, and how should states really work to overcome some of those inhibitors? Well, in the fewest words, the inhibitors are complexity and lack of political will and how they should overcome the challenges that they have. They overcome them by setting, keeping, and communicating realistic expectations and timeframes for the consolidation and through elected and appointed officials being dedicated to the effort. You know, beyond the complexity of state IT systems, the next biggest inhibitor is inefficient and ineffective procurement practices. Invariably, an overhaul of IT procurement is determined to be necessary either during or soon after consolidation is accomplished. You know, according to NASIO, they did a 2017 survey where they found that 22 states had consolidated their data centers, 21 of them were in progress, and seven were planning consolidations. So there's still a lot of work left to be done as far as consolidation is concerned. The reason that is, and the reason it doesn't go very quickly, is it's because, you know, as I stated earlier, it's because of the complexity. And really that complexity comes down to what the governor's position on IT is in the state. The IT structures of a state government may be centralized or decentralized. If it's centralized, that means that all the IT initiatives that fall under the purview of the governor are procured and administered by one IT agency. That agency also sets IT policy and standards for the state. But like most rules, there are exceptions. You know, those elected officials that do not report to the governor, they're not bound to adopt the centralized IT purchasing policies and standards. Elected officials such as the state's attorney general, secretary of state, treasurer, comptroller, They'll often adopt them, but they're not bound to do so. So although there's normally only one appointed state CIO, people need to consider and the elected officials need to consider that there are many CIOs throughout the state government. Each agency 
um, has and potentially has a CIO assigned to them. So ultimately, there's many cooks in the kitchen. So that adds to complexity. Uh, each agency or department delivers services to the state citizens in different ways and for different purposes. There can be hundreds of different agencies and departments all focused on different industry sectors where they deliver different types of services, all having different rules, regulations, and cultural norms. Essentially, the state government can be thought of as a huge amalgamation of all various primary service industries. And, you know, as I mentioned just a minute ago, um, there's two primary organizational structures for state IT, centralized and decentralized. What must be remembered is that in an in a centralized IT model, the state CIO will often set up IT boards and committees to set statewide IT policies and standards. The agency and department level CIOs are invited to participate in those. And, you know, they can often adopt those policies and procedures, but sometimes they're precluded from doing so because of the federal guidelines and requirements that prohibit them. So things like, you know, IRS Pub 1075, CGIS, and HIPAA must be taken into account. Now, you know, I've mentioned centralized and decentralized. Well, obviously the opposite of centralized is of course decentralized. What we see is that the decentralized model is not often in play today. That's purely because of the level of redundancy and complexity and cost that's inherent and also the security vulnerabilities in a decentralized model. Now, just because the state organization is centralized, it does not mean that they are consolidated or optimized for that matter. Remember, as we discussed, centralized IT only handles the IT procurement policies, procedures, and standards. To consolidate really means to bring the equipment, the data, the applications, and the people into the centralized IT organization that serve you know, all the needs of all, those, all of those various state agencies, boards, and commissions. So consolidation can be thought of as the merging of over 100 different service companies from different industry sectors into one. So often the elected officials outside the governor's purview will leverage the centralized services, but again, they're not bound to do so unless legislation is enacted that requires the use of those centralized service organizations. You know, the governor and the CIO may attempt through their influence and appeal to accomplish a consolidation. <laughs> However, uh, that's not proven to be a sure way to consolidate. Um, what I've seen often is that their influence to be, you know, focused on, needs to really be focused on legislation to enact, and legislators to enact the necessary legislation empowering the centralized IT organization and its leadership to accomplish the consolidation. The next focus area beyond legislation is, you know, the personnel and focusing on the personnel's roles and responsibilities and any union contracts that must be adjusted to enable the consolidation. Lastly, the most and most importantly is to consider the cultural differences of each of the various organizations. You know, you're bringing together the norms and the standards and the behaviors of you know upwards of a hundred different organizations, and those things, those those norms and those standards must really be taken into account so that then a successful combination can be accomplished. So, if consolidation, you know, IT consolidation is a huge change management undertaking, and it impacts the people, procedures, and processes of every part of state government. 
So it requires the dedication, support, and political will of the elected officials to really accomplish it. Absolutely. And, and Eric, I mean, you, you in your career have been, have been through this process several times. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what happens after the decision to consolidate. So once states make the decision to begin a consolidation, how should they structure that approach and, and what things need to be top of mind for them? Well, Jake, the things that need to be top of mind are realistic consolidation goals and objectives, change management, supportive legislation, empowered centralized IT, appropriate budget allocations, and efficient and effective procurement practices. To enable the CIO to successfully frame up and execute a consolidation effort, I highly recommend the CIO leverage the ideas and guidance presented in the recent NASIO paper focused on the Four Forces model. It's titled The State CIO Operating Model, Leveraging the Power of the Four Forces. It's an excellent presentation on the political, customer, market, and inertial forces that the state CIO must learn to leverage, balance, and to some extent master to be successful, not only in consolidation, but also in the CIO's many other responsibilities. In it, there are many other references to other NACIO playbooks, such as the Playbook for Managing Change in a Sustainable Way. That playbook will be an invaluable resource for the consolidation efforts. I believe that empowered IT leadership through legislation and funding sources for consolidation must be considered first. The IT leadership must be empowered by legislation that provides them the authority, responsibility, and the budget to accomplish the consolidation. Otherwise, they'll not be successful. Next, the leadership of the consolidation effort must consider who will be their anchor tenants to help get the ball rolling. They need a political heavy hitter and some smaller, easier targets to keep momentum while snags invariably happen. To pick the anchor tenant, leadership should consider those agencies with the heftiest budgets that often hold the greatest sway regarding the technology choices. They also have the greatest and most complex support needs due to the size of the citizen population they serve, as well as the federal regulations to which they they need to adhere. They may not all come in early, but one or two will help ground the effort and gain the needed momentum. Aligning the consolidation efforts with key events such as the massive, a massive system rewrite, you know, a, a federal initiative or large-scale disaster response such as our recent pandemic helps to attract and retain an anchor tenant, assuming, of course, the state CIO handles the political minefields well and can get the backing of the elected officials. Another great resource for state consolidation efforts is the NACIO Playbook for Enterprise Consolidation. It presents a 10-step path for consolidation starting with understand what's needed, engage agency stakeholders early and continuously, create a roadmap with reasonable milestones, document the baseline of assets, conduct spend analysis, address cost allocation and funding issues, implement standards where they exist, manage expectations and expect surprises, make it sustainable, capture and report cost savings. You know, there's, a, there's an 11th one that should have been added and I'd, I'd say it's um, a point that is needing to be added, which is celebrate customer wins. There's no better feeling than to have reported how the consolidation effort posit- positively impacts the citizens and the agency staff 
and those wins must be captured and celebrated. So Eric, once states move a consolidation forward, I mean, what opportunities does that open up for their users, both inside of government as well as the citizens? This is really where it gets fun. Now that we've loaded the train and it's moving down the track, all kinds of new opportunities for faster customer service delivery and new customer service innovations open up. From a state IT team member perspective, having a consolidated organization all focused on serving their customers with excellence and having peers upon which they can rely and ask for assistance enables really a huge morale boost that could not be accomplished when everyone was separated. Additionally, now that everyone's together, the opportunity for collaboration and lateral and vertical mobility within IT are greatly increased. People can learn from each other and get exposed to techniques and technologies that they would not have had access to otherwise. From a citizen service perspective, The IT team members working together can now deliver new and faster innovations in government customer service innovation due to the team member collaboration and their exposure to new technologies and techniques. You know, from a procurement perspective, the buying and negotiation power of consolidated agencies enables them to be in the driver's seat in negotiations and provides for a faster elimination of technical debt through faster system replacement and redundant system elimination. From a security perspective, the elimination of the technical debt and the closer collaboration of IT team members enables a greater level of security solution implementation that would have otherwise not been possible. From a cost savings perspective, I personally have been able to save the taxpayers I serve for over $22 million in year-over-year IT operation costs due to my support of our state's consolidation and optimization efforts. I was able to deliver new innovative services to the citizens I serve due to the collaboration that my, my IT teams were able to experience. You know, from Dell Technologies' perspective, we're seeing our customers saving billions of dollars annually due to their adoption of our consolidated, cloud-based, converged, and hyper-converged infrastructure offerings. These solutions from Dell, you know, came from our own personal consolidation. We consolidated over seven different strategically aligned companies. So we not only are excited by consolidation, but are also living proof of the benefits we can bring to our customers in innovation, cost savings through our own consolidation. I'll end with one example from the many states that we're helping. One of our state's customers was burdened with infrastructure that was costing them over $1.2 million monthly. It was so laden with technical debt that it was putting in jeopardy the services of the whole state. What was at risk was 3,300 virtual servers, 1,100 physical servers, 2,400 applications, and many of those were citizen-facing. Dell Technologies worked with the state to completely replace all of those dying infrastructure pieces with a fully supported, brand-new, cloud-enabled infrastructure for seven hundred thousand dollars a month and we worked with them to completely migrate them off their old infrastructure in less than six months so the potential for benefits not only to the citizen customers to the it personnel to the bottom line to the taxpayer are huge eric thank you so much for your thoughts on this and uh, thanks for being here oh i i'm so thankful to have the opportunity to share jake and you know we at dell technologies are ready to help just let us know All right, that's it for this episode. For more coverage of state and local government IT news, go to statescoop.com.